So, hello and welcome back to the next episode of the Self-Development with Tactics podcast. And as you can see in the background, we are again on the paulminers.com website. I do just remember that I just wanted to do all or put all the websites I'm um, I'm currently on. So, uh, basically only, uh, or I have been at basically only the Paul Miners website, the Power Moves and samuelthomasdavis.com. Um, all three of them are just actually so intensely good websites. You know, they have just incredibly summaries. I do quite well would say that the PowerMoves.com and Paul Miners of those three have the best summaries. Um, the interface of Paul Miners and the overall amount of summaries isn't that much. So the interface, yeah, the interface isn't that much. <laughs> no, the interface isn't that good, and it's not that like yeah, you can search easily for things. This is not the case. But on the other two websites, you can definitely just, you know, look for the book you want to just go through, and which is, you know, pretty easy and pretty pretty convenient uh, also. But in general, I would totally say all of these free website, uh, websites are totally worth visiting, and I'm not getting paid for this, you know. <laughs> but I think you can just see by my numbers. But But yeah, we go ahead with, or we just start actually with Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Um, which was a book that I've seen so many, so often, which is, i show you, from zero to hero, zero to, <laughs> to one, sorry, um, which is such a book, yes, it's, okay, I thought about another cover, never mind, but I still have seen this one quite often um, recently, which was, you know, quite actually, and I've, you know, read the title actually quite often, which was actually the reason why I've been like, okay, this might be a book that's good, and therefore I just, you know, go through it, I just before beforehand had a look at it and just saw, okay, there is some kind of thing into it, so I think that you can definitely benefit from, from that, um, but yeah, we will totally see when we go through this one, and I think I will just go and start a fucking hat. <laughs> so zero by zero, yeah, zero by hero, zero to one by Peter Thiel, book summary by Paul Miners. So zero to one by Peter Thiel is a must read for startup entrepreneurs everywhere. The book looks at how companies can engineer radical changes and in doing so move the human race forward. Author Peter, Peter Thiel was the co-founder of PayPal, the first outside investor in Facebook, and is now the co-founder and chairman of Palantir Technologies. Okay, which is, I don't know the company, but I just, you know, you probably know PayPal as well, because, you know, Elon Musk was also one of the founders of, of PayPal, uh, if I remember correctly. And, yeah, you definitely know Facebook, I hope. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, this is something that I do just want to talk about and I hope it doesn't bother you that you can just see my microphone so uh, so good. But I think it's actually not quite, not quite that disturbing, but you can actually see my upper body, which is, at my point of view, totally something, you know, worth quite, um, yeah, quite seeing. Because you can actually see my hand movements and my geese just a little bit more easy than when I'm just, you know, sitting down in the ground. <laughs> quiet. But um, something that I've quite uh, recognized pretty lately is that a lot of people just really hate on social media. Um, 
I quite understand it because, yeah, media in general just, you know, hate social media and therefore people just think like, okay, you know, this is just the truth and, you know, because media is so overwhelming and and media is so, um, yeah, so forward and so pre present and in terms of the presence um, that, you know, people just, just understand it or people just uh, mean like, okay, this is the truth. But actually, through the internet, and they actually hate on the internet as well, but at my point of view, the internet and social media were one of the um, greatest innovations. I do still see, yeah, okay, there are some bad parts about it in terms of harassment and, you know, violation and whatever, which is totally a thing that shouldn't be there. But the case is, it's just something like a society, you know, we have our world here, you know, we have our physical world. And the internet, at my point of view, is definitely some kind of uh, online world as well, or some kind of online society as well, with, you know, other rules, with other people, with a lot of more freedom, and so on, and so on, and so on, and only one country, actually. No, no, I wouldn't say so. Okay, actually, there are a few countries, because we all have our IP addresses, and therefore, they some kind of are countries. But um, I do still think that this is just another world. And this is something that I quite realized when I thought about actually doing what I'm doing right now. And I was thinking like, okay, you know, why do people quite so often think that this is not working and this is not something that they can make money with? And this was the case for me as well. So I'm just still a little bit kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of pondering around whether this may be the right thing for me or this may lead me to where I want to get or not. And the thing is, after I've realized that this is just some kind of kind of kind of a world, just virtually, and it's not something physical, um, just pretty much validates that there is a point to work on here and to to really put work and time into the stuff that I'm doing right now, because yeah, you know, this is just it. This is just another world, and would it would be the same thing if I just work outside somewhere, just going after my dreams. The thing is. Uh, with the internet, everything is just much easier, or got what much easier, which is something pretty nice. And yeah, and also in terms of advertising, this was also a point that I thought about um, why a lot of people just still think that advertisement on uh, on the internet or on social media are just bad ideas and aren't working and whatever. But you know, I still and I'm just doing a test right now because I actually did run a Facebook, not a Facebook, but an Instagram stories ad for myself. It cost me two, two euros or two dollars. Is it two dollars? I can't look it up because I just restarted and, you know, therefore you just have to close every fucking window. Um, because the actual funny thing is if I, you know, close down everything and restart and so on, I have around, it was five gigabyte more storage, which is totally something that I just have to look after because I'm just running out of fucking storage pretty fast through all the videos and all the files and you know because of so many so many um actual programs running in the background and whatever there is in terms of recording and doing everything and so that everything's uh, running smoothly i do just you know want to be sure that okay i have enough storage so that i do not get any problems with um yeah recording the actual episode or editing it or just you know in terms of the podcast and you know there are a lot of things that you know um might occur or might come up which is then totally something you do not want to have <laughs> um but i wanted what i want to say is that i'm actually just making a test to quite validate for me and just you know to see for me if this is actually something that is working and for now i just reached 
883 people, if I remember correctly. I will I will just inform you tomorrow as well, because um, today at, you know, at my time zone or in my time zone at uh, uh, 11 p.m., um, the actual um, advertisement will stop. So this is the time frame I've I've run it or yeah, I've run it, uh, which was from uh, the 24th of February 11 p.m. to the 26th of February for uh, until uh, 11 p.m. Yeah, <laughs> so then I just say um, and I just wanted to see how cheap I can get it and how much people I can reach with it. The thing is, I spent two euros, as I said, or two dollars. I don't remember. Um, I by now reached 883 people, which is, you know, or got impressions, but it's definitely kind of the same thing, which is, I think, an ad per impression cost of 0.04 or some shit, which is, or even less. I think even less. The thing is, I got 40 interactions with my actual post or for the, they say, um, results for this actual post or this actual advertisement, which is, at my point of view, for two euros, just, you know, incredible. You know, two euros is quite the same as two dollars. Not, yeah, you can compare it just, you know, um, one by one. Uh, works pretty well, but which is, you know, definitely a lot. And for a lot of uh, just really small businesses and businesses that do not have real money or just not real money, but not not that much of money to just put into advertising because, you know, regular and traditional advertising, of course, is, if you know, just really, really fucking expensive. In the uh, most read newspaper in Germany, you actually pay 500 fucking thousand dollars or euros actually to get one advertisement for one day or on one just you know one newspaper for one full page which is uh yeah for one full page just like you know the left side or the right side or i think both no one side one side one half of you know the the newspaper fully advertisement will cost you five hundred thousand dollars which is then um you will just pretty much basically um 10 million people will see it. This is the thing. So therefore you can just say, okay, you know, this makes sense that uh, for the New York Times, you only have to pay, I think, 200,000K, which is, you know, still a lot, but, you know, uh, not that much people see it, which is something that pretty, um, pretty kind of impressed me because I thought like, okay, you know, the New York Times, everybody's reading the New York Times. But in fact, this isn't the case. And therefore this German, um, it is the build or build Zeitschrift or build newspaper um, is actually the most seen one in Germany and therefore it kind of makes sense okay you know this must be pretty expensive when 10 million people are just you know having it or just reading it every single fucking day but still this um, just makes up I don't know I just calculated never mind we will go on because I just lost such a lot of time not lost but but yeah so this book looks at how companies can engineer radical change Sorry, about the author. Uh, author Peter Thiel was the co-founder of PayPal, the first outside investor in Facebook, and is now the co-founder and chairman of Palantir, Palantir Technologies. As far as investors and entrepreneurs go, go, Thiel is pretty inspirational. Thiel wrote Zero to One with the help of Blake Masters, also a budding entrepreneur. Blake co-founded a, le a legal research technology startup after graduating graduating from Stanford and Stanford Law School. 
In the summary, Zero to One is about how to build companies that create new things. Teal begins by examining what the future holds and what the business scene used to look like before the millennium. 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 This is such a word that I've been just recently, quite recently, hearing so often. You know, it's just incredible how often I've heard this fucking word. A lot of people use it. I kind of just think this is some sort of a group of people, I think. I'm not sure. I think this is just, you know, people that are now in their mid-30s. Could this be the thing? Or even older? I don't know. The thing is, I've heard it so often that it is quite interesting that I just, yeah, read it now. Then he looks at how all companies that are happy are different before discussing the health of competition. Teal discusses the role menu, the role money plays in any venture before discussing industry secrets and how to, to build foundations. Finally, he examines company culture and how to build one before identifying the seven key questions you need to ask before starting a business. And why do I read like this. Never mind. <laughs> so, the book summary. What the future holds. It's going to be a challenge. And I think I'm so, and I've been talking about this one just in another episode as well. I'm so fucking pumped for what the future will bring to me and what the future will have for me. Not in terms of, yeah, me being successful. You know, I just, you know, still think, okay, I just, you know, want to do the thing that I'm just doing right now. I want to see, okay, if this is working out or not, I don't mind. I don't mind. But the thing is, which is something that Bezos quite inspired me just just actually today and just before I, you know, was eating and, you know, making this episode right now because I was, you know, working out. And while I'm working out, I always tend to, to listen to some motivational, um, not motivational, but rather inspirational and just business-like stuff as well because I quite feel like, okay, I do have to use every single fucking minute of my fucking day and it really pisses me off when I do just have one, um, yeah, one quite period of time, even if it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes, um, you know, what I'm, or where I'm not just doing anything. This is totally fucking me. So the thing is, I just, you know, always quite listen to some inspirational stuff. And Bezos as well said, okay, um, you know, back back in the days where he just started Amazon, which was then called uh, Kadabra, I think he actually explained. Um, but the thing is, he actually said, okay, uh, he didn't actually know how this will go and, you know, where this, he'll, where this will lead him. But the thing was that he actually wanted to try it out because he wanted to, he didn't want to regret it afterwards, which is definitely the thing because most of the people who are just, you know, dying or who are just, you know, nearly dying or whatever, they just always talk about, and this is something that Gary Vee also was emphasizing, they always talk about the regrets they have rather than talking about what they did. And this is something that really inspired me and really motivated me to, to go on and just see, okay, I'm not seeing anything, any results right now. You know, there are some numbers, okay, you know, I, I do not want to be like, okay, you know, there's nothing coming back to me, there's no ROI, whatever, but um, there is not much, totally. I'm not earning any money yet, I'm, which is, you know, not my goal. And I kind of feel like, okay, I haven't helped so much people as well yet. So, um, therefore, I'm just really curious what the future will bring to me and what the future holds for me. And, yeah, so therefore I'm just, you know, going on seeing whether it's, you know, going good or bad. I will just, you know, rearrange eventually and just do something else, maybe. So Peter Thiel describes progress in future as happening in one of two ways. Either horizontal progress, this is 
uh, easier for us to perceive as essentially it means cop copying things that currently work, going from 1 to N. TLA compares horizontal progress to the concept of globalization, taking a product, service or process that works perhaps on a small scale and making it work globally, which is definitely the thing that franchises do still have. You know, this is the whole concept of franchises. Um, why Amazon nowadays even is the uh, biggest holder of real estate is because they have a franchise and therefore it is really cheap to have your own McDonald's and, you know, to really, you know, um, in terms of the capital and in terms of McDonald's actually being able to do this because, you know, if you're like, okay, every single um, shop, it's not a shop, but every single restaurant should definitely be of my company and should be under my control, then what will happen is that you just have to pay the buildings, you just have to pay uh, the staff, you just have to pay everything. The thing with franchising is um, you do are selling a license, but everything else comes then just up to the person who is just, uh, yeah, just has to then build or buy the building and have the stuff and just deal with these fucking things. So therefore, yeah, you know, I think if I do just have an, an, an working concept, I will definitely just start a franchise. If this is even a thing, maybe in the future it's something else. I don't know, but at the moment I think it's quite a good concept and quite a good thing to do. Um, and that actually, which was something that, you know, totally came to my mind immediately is that, um, it is just the thing that Tony Robbins as well is doing all the time. You know, uh, he calls it modeling, but it's basically just copying other people that are actually good at what he wants to be good at as well. So therefore he just looks at them and copies them and just sees, okay, you know, what are they doing that makes them so successful? in this certain area if it's i don't know technology if it's helping people if it's whatever he just you know looks at the people just really examines their life and you know how they spend the time what they do in a day and and so on and so on and then they just or he just really tries to learn that and then teach it to other people as well and this is you know a good thing because if you just see okay this certain thing is working for someone else why wouldn't it work for you as well and if not you maybe just have to just manipulate or adapt a few things so that it is actually working for you as well um, but vertical progress is more progressive and not as easy for us to imagine a vertical process teal explains means doing original things things that have never been done before it's um, it's this kind of progress that we hope for. Vertical progress means going from one, from zero to one. Thiel explains that the way to do this is with technology and with innovation. And um, yeah, I think innovation is something nowadays that is a must. You know, I think especially technology companies like Apple or, or Samsung or um, or Microsoft are really forced to innovate every single year. Which is definitely, I think, hard work, first of all. And second of all, might not be the case, you know, every single year. Because I don't think like, okay, you know, every single year there may be something that's that's new or that's an innovation, you know. Maybe they do just, you know, market it as something. But at the end, it might not be like this. But, um, but yeah, I could just, you know, be wrong. And, you know, every single year there is something to celebrate or to bring out or just, you know, to, to give to the public. So startups. Thiel explains that the most common source of new technology are startups. These are the guys that aren't afraid to take risks. 
They get stuff done quicker and are the ones to break into new industries, industries with new technologies. They have the freedom to develop and adapt. The reason that the startup are the reason that the startups are creating the new tech and not bigger or well-established organizations, Thiel explains, is because these organizations are bureaucratic. It's B-U-R-E-A-U-C-R-A-T-I-C. They move slowly, are afraid of risks, and overall it takes a long time to get anything done. So if you want to be part of the future, get out of these organizations and get involved in a startup. Even though, on the other hand, startups are a little bit complicated, in my point of view, in terms of the financial part, because um, this is something as well that I've been talking about quite often before. Um, a lot of startup startups aren't pretty much able to generate money on themselves, which then means that they just have to be funded and they just have to have external sources of money, which is definitely a program for a company. Because... If you are a company and if you aren't able to produce, produce or just make or generate your own money, you know, sometimes or, you know, the time will come that all these external sources will go away because maybe you're not innovating enough or maybe they're just interested in something else. And, and so therefore they will just, you know, cut this, this resource for you and then you just have to just make the money on your own. And I, at my point of view, you know, a lot of startups just, you know, they just get to used to, to being funded, um, not funded, but yes, funded, not founded, but funded. <laughs> so funded. Um, positively defined, a startup is the largest group of people who can convince a plan, convince of a plan to build a different future. A new company's most important strength is new thinking, even more important than nimbless, nimblessness, nim, nimbleness, small size small size efforts and space to think. According to Thiel, a startup has to continuously question received ideas and rethink business from scratch. It's about the blank canvas and constantly rewriting the plan. And this is where the future is made. A new company's most important strength is new thinking. And that's, in my point of view, definitely a very, very big part of having a you know successful company as well. And this is still something um, Gary Vee and a lot of other marketers say is important in terms of marketing as well, because uh, it seems to be like this, but uh, creativity is really the key for good marketing, which, you know, makes sense, kind of, you know, even if you aren't of this department, but it makes sense because, you know, having new things, having innovations, having something, you know, something new to show to the people is definitely a good thing because yeah you know if you just show the same people the same fucking shit over and over and over again they might get a little bit bored of your thing that you're doing and maybe they will go to another one another company that is actually innovating in terms of the marketing in terms of the thinking in terms of their creativeness so what is it like peter uses the example of paypal the business he co-founded in the late 1990s to set the scene pre-crash Thiel was running PayPal in 1999. He describes himself as scared of, scared out of my wits. He puts this fear down to the way that businesses were being started and ceasing to exist so regularly in Silicon Valley. He was afraid he would be headed down the same path. However, PayPal had a difference. Their goal was to have PayPal replace the US dollar by becoming an internet currency. This was big picture change. This was big picture, change the future kind of stuff. 
They knew the cash was coming and they wrote it out. Just prior to the crash, they raised 100 million, the necessary, the necessary funds to keep them moving. Any entrepreneur that managed to ride out the post.com crash learned a few key lessons. Thiel explains that the four biggest lessons are still very relevant to today's thinking. And I do just want to say, okay, you know, this is a very, very good example for a startup that is working or was working. You know, even, you know, if they have raised 100 million, they were just able to sustain and the quality, their innovation and, you know, their product. And therefore, they just were able to, you know, kind of produce or just, you know, deal with the money, some kind of as well, but also produce the money on their own. So um, they didn't need any external sources necessarily um, you know, in the long run. But we will go ahead with the four biggest lessons about, um, yeah, about uh, the post of the dot-com crash. The first one is make in incremental advances. Grand visions inflate the bubble so they should not be indulged. Okay, sorry. The second one is stay lean and flexible. All companies must be lean, which is code for unplanned, trying things out, iterate and treat entrepreneurship as agnostic experimentation. The third one is improve on a com competition. Uh, don't try to create a new market primarily. Start with an already existing customer. Build your company by improving on recognizable products already offered by successful competitors. And a fourth and last one is focus on product, not sales. Technology is primarily about product development and not distribution. Because, yeah, this is also something I kind of believe in is that if you have a great product or if you have a great service, people will definitely come to you in the long run. I do not want to say, okay, you have the greatest product and people will just, you know, be in front of your fucking door tomorrow. This is not something I want to say. I want to say that you know if you're playing for the run for the long run or if you're playing the the long run um, and you are having a great product or service, you will definitely have your customers, even though your dist distribution might be a little bit lacking in I don't know creativeness or you know in just you know being well quite. <laughs> even if your just distribution isn't good, it doesn't mean that your product isn't good, and therefore. I think, you know, people will just understand after they have bought it and after some other people have suggested it to them and so on, you know. A good product is always good also in terms of, you know, practically marketing it and, you know, kind of selling it because actually the thing is, okay, yeah, you can sell a bad product, you know. This is totally, totally, we are totally able to do, to do this, but the thing is, if it is actually a product that people buy more often or do have to buy more often, this is then a problem. Because if people buy a product and aren't satisfied with it and think like, okay, you know, I would rather pay maybe a little bit more if you have a cheap product to, to get a you know, more expensive one, but I just then know that this is actually working and this is making me satisfied and whatever, they won't buy your shit never ever again. And this is just facts, and I think you would do the same as well, you know. If you buy, I don't know, fruits from one supermarket and you just feel like, okay, you know, these fruits aren't good all the time, you will definitely go to another supermarket to buy your fucking fruits. And this is something that's, you know, all the people are able to, you know. There is so much competition, so therefore, just have a good product, I would say. The 90s. TLX describes the 90s as a bubble for the technology world, where people believed in going from one 
from zero to one, sorry. Everyone aimed for it, but not many startups actually made it. After the crash in 2000, the following rules were what the startups lived by. The first one is, it's better to risk boldness than triviality, triviality. So it's T-R-I-V-I-A-L-I-T-Y. The second one is, a bad plan is better than no plan. The third one is, competitive markets destroy profits. The fourth one is, sales matter just as much as the product. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Teal believes that we we need uh, some of the naivety that the startups startups pre-crash had. In order to create new technology, we have to forget about the four post-crash rules and learn from the past both mistakes and successes. Happy companies are different and not the same. Teal compares monopolists and entrepreneurs. He says that the monopolists lie as a cover. They protect themselves from audit and scrutiny by keeping their monopoly under wraps and as a result often giving more credit to their competition, who is likely non-existent. The entrepreneur are the exact opposite. They preach that, that they are alone in the industry. They ignore the competition, but this, Thiel points out, is a mistake. The, fat- the fatal temptation is to describe your market extremely narrowly so that you dominate it by definition. Thiel explains that monopolies have a powerful incentive to innovate. To innovate, It's the profits that they have built up over time that acts as a power driver. They can continue to innovate with the research and projects that startups only can dream of. Um, I quite do think, okay, you know, just re- really dismissing your competition might not be such a good thing. But what the thing is, is that you as a company... I'm so sorry if this was fucking loud. I'm very sorry. Um, but if you are just a company and you you know do have competitors, that's totally true. But the thing is, focusing rather on your competitors than your fucking customers is not a good idea because your your competitors you know aren't important. You know they aren't buying your product. Hopefully, <laughs> um, but maybe not hopefully. But I hope they will buy your product because it's so good. But the thing is, your customers are the ones who have and who want to buy a product. And therefore, if you're just, you know, making a product or you're making a service, it should only fit your target audience or it should only fit your customer base, nobody else. And therefore, just quite really, you know, missing out your competition might not actually be such a bad idea. Um, yeah, all happy companies are different. Each one earns a mon- monopoly by solving a unique problem. All failed companies are the same. They fail to escape competition. Yeah, and I think the solving a unique problem is definitely the case. Even though, um, yeah, a lot of people like, I think, who was it? Uh, I think it was Bezos actually again. He said there aren't any more or aren't too much more unique problems we can solve as a business. And which is definitely the truth. You know, there is just some kind of a business for everything, for quite everything. This is this is just kind of facts. I think, you know, there are so many businesses, there are so many um, businesses who are doing so such different things and everybody's doing something. And um, I do not want to say that everything is good what these companies are doing which is you know an opportunity for us and or for you and or for me because yeah you know 
these aren't or haven't such a good customer service or they are just fucking around with the customers or the product isn't not that satisfying but because there is no other product people just still buy it just going into such markets and making another product or a better service will actually i think you know in the long term at least lead to you having you know your competitors customer base because they think like okay you know he has a better co he has a better company he has a better product or service why should i stay where i am right now you know but maybe you know if you just you know do this move the actual company so this this bad company is actually doing some kind of change and maybe just you know innovate a little more you know this could also be the thing put competition but not put um have I read everything yeah but competition is healthy it's a pretty common assumption that competition is healthy however teal points out that competition more often than not means no profits for anyone there is a lack of differentiation in a market and it means that all of the businesses struggle whereas if there is a monopoly continuing to innovate it means new technology and products Sorry, brought to market, benefiting the consumer and the creator. Uh, competition is not just an econ economic concept of a simple inconvenience that, in that individuals and companies must deal with in the marketplace. More than anything else, competition is an ideology. The ideology that pervades our society and distorts our thinking. We preach competition, internalize its necessity and enact its commandments and as a result we trap ourselves ourselves within it even though the more we compete the less we gain yeah but i think because i think that we actually then just only think about the competition okay you know what is this company doing what is that company doing rather than actually just you know watching our fucking customers because you know actually these are the people that are the most important to a company you know the customers the people you're providing a service or a product to you know I would even say, okay, yeah, just give a fuck about your competition, you know. Just give a fuck about your competition. Microsoft versus Google. Teal examines, examines, yeah, exa, examines, yeah, I think it's examines, or examines Microsoft and Google as an example of competition. Microsoft focused on building an OS while Google created a search engine. I would think that different markets, different products would mean there was no competition. However, the reality is that as both gained momentum and size, they started to notice each other and work to beat the other. And as a result, we now have Windows and Chrome operating systems, Microsoft Office and Google Docs, the Surface and the Nexus. However, by focusing purely on each other, Apple was able to swoop in and overcome both of them. It only took Apple three years to have to have complete market capitalization at 500 billion versus the combined worth of Microsoft and Google at 467 billion. Competition did not do well for Google or Microsoft. Competition is not always healthy. Yeah, definitely. Because, because yeah. It's not always healthy, even though um, something that I've learned through how to win friends and influence people again, <laughs> like in the last, last actually 130 episodes, which is just incredible, by the way. You know, being here for almost 132 now episodes is actually amazing. It's quite a lot, you know. Um, you know, just have to to calculate it by you know 
every single episode is like you know 30 minutes to to an hour or even a little bit more some of them are actually a little more which is actually quite a quite a lot of of time you know this is actually a lot and i do quite feel like okay i'm 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 a little proud of of, of myself because I quite achieved to do this every single day, even though I'm cutting, I'm cutting a little bit back on sleep, which is something I wouldn't suggest to you. Um, I would only, I will never suggest it. But the thing is, if you feel like me and you do not have that much time in your day and you do just want to maximize everything and you know you pretty much you know want to do everything in your day and not you know want to cut out something that you might think okay is is worth putting in the time then uh don't do it and just you know get get rid of one hour of sleep and then work in this hour and then just you know go to bed one hour later and i totally think that seven hours of sleep is definitely good as well um yeah but it always comes up to who you are and a lot of people even don't need seven hours or six hours they actually only have to have four, five or four or something like that which is which is incredible and would definitely something that i that i would like so deal describes paypal so paypal and future profits uh so teal describes paypal in the year 2001 they hadn't made any profit by their revenues were continuing to increase uh, teal believed that the profits generated in 2011 and further would be would be where 75 percent of the company's present value would came from however this was a vast uh, underestimate at the time he wrote the book teal disclosed that the majority of paypal's value will come from 2020 and beyond oh you know something i didn't actually know but this just really shows that if you make a product and you might know that you know actually musk got a lot of money out of uh selling his paypal thing i think S selling his uh his you know percentage of you know his percentage that he owns of the company and he got i think eight billion was it eight billion it's it was quite a lot definitely but um the thing is i i didn't thought that it was actually doing something or they were actually doing something that's not giving them you know just a lot of profit in the now you know but you then can just see that you know if you're really solving a problem and if you really uh kind of thrive for just uh or drive for uh helping people or just you know fixing a solution or fixing a problem sorry not a solution um then you can just see okay this um, leads to money being a byproduct, you know, in the long term. The overwhelming importance of future profits is counterintuitive. Even in Silicon Valley, for a company to be value, valuable, it must grow and endure, but many entrepreneurs focus only on short-term growth, which is definitely a fucked-up shit. Never do this. Do not just, you know, do not put any money into making money in a short period of time, don't do this, it's often like, you know, a shortcut, and shortcuts most of the time do not work. This is something that I've made experience with, this is something Gary Vee always just, you know, tells people, not always, but, you know, sometimes has, and uh, this is actually, you know, the thing that some rappers, as um, E-Double, if you know him, uh, which is actually something that I quite recognized pretty late, because, you know, I was listening to this uh, to this song quite often, 
And because Gary was pointing it out once in a speech of him or in a podcast episode, or it, you know, maybe it was even a video of him, uh, but I've listened to the podcast version of it at least. <laughs> um, he just pointed it out, and um, because of that, I just realized and recognized that in this particular song of E double, it's E dash D U B B L E, that he says shortcuts never work, which is you know, definitely the thing, because, yeah, they are called shortcuts. Reminds me of the book Smart Cuts. Um, so Thiel explains that by focusing primarily on near-term goals, near-term growth is not enough. You fail to consider what the business will be in a decade from now. You, no- you need to think in, you need to think big picture. Yeah, I think before I actually start with characteristics and the money itself, which is definitely, I think, one of the most important and most interesting ones. And you think you've seen just a few quite interesting things. Um, talking today went a little bit better, even though I quite feel like, okay, something is going on. I'm not as smooth as I'm used to be. I don't know. I just, yeah, still read as much English stuff as, I'm, as I've uh, yeah, been used to. I'm talking even, been even more, I don't know. I don't know what the reason is for me not being able to speak that fluently or that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't mind. Everything will be good. Just complaining about it and dwelling about it is total shit because I still know you can understand me. And even though I might be a little bit slower or something, maybe, you know, have, you know, pronunciation mistakes, which is totally normal for me. uh, Yeah, you can understand me. And this is the most important part about it. And you hopefully have a great experience or had a great experience with me today and have learned a lot today. And yeah, with that being said, I wish you are happy. You know, you get the success, the health, the wealth or have the health and the wealth. Um, I hope you're giving back something because giving back, in my point of view, is important. Just It's just important because, yeah, I think money alone without giving back anything to the world, to other people won't make you happy. And... Last but not least, but yeah, but last and least, <laughs> um, legacy. I hope you're always nice to the people. I hope you, not always, I just understand that sometimes you aren't in such a good mood and therefore you just, you know, fuck around with people as well, which is happening to happening to me as well. So I don't want to play like, you know, the, the, you know, the human that's above everyone else. I'm so great, whatever. Definitely not. But, but yeah, just, you know, Look at your legacy and maybe try to be remembered as someone you want to be remembered. And with that being said, again, <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful day. So this is the self-development with tactics. Book.